Sorry, Dunkin' Donuts. Sorry, Mr. Donut. Sorry to all you little bakery shops across our great land. I don't eat donuts. Now, before you drown me in a vat of coffee, hear my story. There's a perfectly good reason I don't eat donuts, and it has nothing to do with counting calories or watching my waistline. During my primary school years, my dad worked night shift in a grocery store bakery in Champaign, Illinois. It likely didn't pay well, and since it was night shift work, so the customers had fresh baked goods in the morning, he missed spending time with us during the week. But it did put bread on the table, so to speak. After my seventh grade year, my parents had put together a little money from selling the house we had lived in in Champaign and the little two-bedroom house my dad had built in Tuscola, Illinois. My mother wanted to relocate to Florida, where I'd been born when my father was serving there in the Navy. With no more business plan than that, we loaded up the used seven-year-old green Ford with its rear driver's side door that didn't unlock and its three-speed manual transmission on the steering column and headed for the Sunshine State. Once there, we looked at a 50-acre orange grove in the center of the state, south of some little town named Orlando. Whether raising oranges was beyond my dad's skill set, or it was too far from anywhere, this was the very beginning of the 1960s, and Walt Disney had yet to locate there. We kept on going. Headed for Tampa, we drove past a little bakery with a for sale sign on U.S. Highway 301 in Sefer Hills, Florida northeast of Tampa. This was decades before Interstate 75 sliced down the East Coast, passing from Atlanta to Tampa. So U.S. 301 carried tourists and locals down the interior of Florida through Bushnell, Dade City, and other Orange Grove towns before eventually getting to Gulf Coast Tampa. The little bake shop sat just off 301, between a battered Texaco gas station from the 1940s and a variety store that never seemed to have a lot of business. I'd later discovered that it carried Mad Magazine, a favorite of all nerdy eighth grade boys. The bake shop building was rented with just enough space in front to park three or four cars. The equipment was used. The kindly couple who owned it were selling because the husband, the baker, was mortally ill. He died shortly after selling. With the owners in dire straits, the price was right. I doubt there was any thought of looking at the books or considering that while the snowbird town had a population of five or six thousand in the winter, in the summer it dropped down to about fifteen hundred. And the Zephyr Hills snowbirds, located a good hour or so away from the White Gulf beaches, were on a tighter budget than those closer to the Gulf, thus with less money to spend on handcrafted pastry delicacies. With high hopes and no business experience, my parents bought the equipment, assumed the lease, and opened shop. As a soon-to-be 13-year-old, with a resume that included working on my grandparents' sharecrop farmland, mowing lawns for a real estate agent, and delivering newspapers, I began working at the bake shop as the only worker other than the owners. 
Initial duties were limited to sweeping the floor and washing pots, pans, and utensils. But I quickly grew into measuring flour and sugar and yeast into the industrial mixer. Had there been an OSHA then, the inspectors would no doubt have frowned at a five-foot-tall, hundred-pound kid shoving bread dough down into the spinning paddles of that stainless steel mixer. My next chore? Cutting donuts from rolled-out dough into a round, hole-filled circle. Lining them up on sheet pans next to the kettle filled with hundreds of degrees hot oil. No personal protective equipment. No goggles to protect the eyes from the near-boiling oil. I'd plop them one at a time into the kettle, filling the surface with floating pastry dough. I kept a close eye on them as I poked with tongs to ensure the bottoms were turning just the right shade of crispy deliciousness. Satisfied that they were two-thirds done and ready to be flipped, I lowered the tongs, flipping the donuts to crisp the tops, careful to not splash the oil on my bare arms and hands. It took only seconds for the tops to finish browning, whereupon I'd pull each one gently from the vat of oil, dunking them into the glaze, then onto a wire mesh screen, where excess glaze dripped off the still-warm delights. My pay? All the donuts I cared to eat. And I ate a lot of them at first. The donuts still steaming inside. The glaze so fresh it hadn't set into that hard, crackly stuff that flakes off. No, these were donuts so fresh they literally steamed as you put into them. The sugary sweetness melting in a teenager's mouth. That's why I don't eat donuts. I've eaten my fill of them. As for the little bake shop, it lasted a year before my parents went broke and had to move back to Illinois, leaving behind the dream of his own business to go to work in the Caterpillar Tractor Factory. This is Bill Enyart with Reflections from the River. You can email me at bill at billenyart.com. That's B-I-L-L at B-I-L-L-E-N-Y-A-R-T dot com. Audio production today by Tom Calhoun. He's at www.paguytom.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.